it's that time of year where we like to create now this rhythm of talking through the vision and mission of this church. And we really have only been doing it in the last couple of years. So, but I just wanted to kind of make this August time a time to look at like, where are we going? How are we going to get there? You know, our vision is, is pretty simple. Our vision is that we want to be a place to belong and a place to know God. That vision tells us where we're always aiming towards, that everything we do is filtered through that vision. Our mission, the things we want to be about, the, the path we want to take to get to that location is becoming followers of Jesus who recover their lives, reimagine their purpose, and refresh their world. That the way we know that we're getting to that location, that place, that where of a place to belong and a place to know God is that you all, me, all of us are more and more recovering our lives. We're finding the life that is life, sozo is how Jesus talked about it in the Greek, the life that is life. That we are taking seriously what the Sermon on the Mount did. It recapitulated, it gave people that had a static way of interacting with the world a fresh perspective, a reimagining of this God who could go to the edges, that you start finding yourself reimagining your life, and that you also start refreshing your world, that the responsibility to renew the world, that's the work of the Spirit, that's the work of Christ. But you and me, us together, we are asked to be a refreshing presence of the Spirit wherever we go. And these are the things that we want all of us to be able to pick up on together. Now, last year at this time, we unveiled this new vision and mission as a church, as leadership to you all. And it's something that even before this time last year, we were sitting on for a year ourselves because we didn't just want to rush into it and throw something out to you that we may or may not put all of our eggs in that basket. And so we brought it up last year. And what we found that, you know, this church has never really had that clear of a direction in its history. It's had some, some approaches, some ideas, but it's never really had like, this is where we're going. This is how we're going to get there. And whenever you're that distinct and that clear with what you're going to be about, it actually starts percolating other things that can come up. It lets you start exploring what's really now in this body of water of us as a church. And one of the things that really came up for us that we didn't really realize what happened is that fairly quickly, and that is that there was a lot of us who were at different places in our spiritual journey. That some of us in this room had a constructed view of faith, maybe what we grew up with. Others of us had a very deconstructed view of faith, that whatever was handed to us wasn't working. Others of us were on the other side of reconstructing a faith that was deconstructed because we didn't like the construction we were given. And we had to start being honest with that, going, man, we are at different places here, and yet all of us had the same desires, that we wanted to be a space where the conversation is sacred and really matters, where we don't have to run from each other. And so in that came, out, came this idea of a pendulum. Now, if you're listening to this message, or if you decide to go back and listen to this, there's a, a video that you just saw here. We've spent all summer working on it, paid somebody to do some good work and animation with it. Because, and we put it up on our website, is at christcity.org slash beliefs, christcity.org slash beliefs. So you can look it up there. But we wanted to create this because a lot of you might get questions when people hear that you go to Christ City. They're like, so what's going on there? 
Like, why are you at Christ City? What are they doing? And you're like, well, just watch this video. Like, it spares you having to have the headache of explaining something that you're not always sure of. (laughs) But as well as you are assured in, but you don't always have the language to talk about. So we wanted to give you something that's common language that you can take with you and share. And this video, The Pendulum. And this pendulum, this idea is, is that we are at different places, and even if that's not the place you want to be in ultimately, if, if you find that we're not far enough to one side or another, we actually bless you and say, that's okay. You can go find that space. But here's what I want to say. Those spaces are as far as the eye can see in Memphis. Plenty of spaces where there are distinctives created around particular perspectives of God in the Bible, where distinctives are created around particular perspectives. But for a lot of you that are coming here now, what you're saying is, that hasn't worked as well for me. And I'm looking for a space where God maybe could work again, like it could make sense to me, that faith could maybe, am I wrestling with it out loud, could be invited. And if you've been here longer than a minute, then you know that we're that kind of church. And it means that you're here, that you want to be here. And yet, this morning and this message, because it's not important to simply know where we're going, we also have to be honest with where we really are. Like, where are we at this moment? Do we really buy into this? So this message is not about you going, yes, I like that pendulum idea. That sounds great. Good job, Christ City. No, this message is more about what does it mean for us to roll up our sleeves and get to work? Like, what does it mean for us to actually be here now? Here's where we are, and here's where we need to go. So what is it going to take for us to not simply say yes, but to be invested? Now, I've spoken a lot and Jamin and Drew have as well. We've spoken a lot to those who have been here. I'm going to start calling you kind of the front door Christians. Like, you've come through the front door, and faith has really worked. And a lot of the tenets of faith really work. You haven't had to wrestle too much with that. Maybe it's because it was what's handed to you, and it just was like, yeah, I like it all. Maybe it's because of how you're wired or who you are or where you came from. I don't know. I'm not here to even try to judge that. But I also know there's a cultural norm that comes with a lot of churches here in Memphis. And that's not a wrong thing. But that is a privileged thing, if you think about it. It's a privilege that you kind of get to have your faith kind of work for you. And it may not even be because you had such a strong, vigorous faith because you're so studied. It may not be because of that. It may be because it's just where you are in life and it works. And we've spoken to a lot of you saying, hey, we want you to make as much room for others who aren't like you to show up here and have their questions. For their faith and their experiences and their wrestling to be just as valid as all the answers you have to any catechism. And so we've given a lot of those messages to you. And yet today, I'm not talking to you only. Today, I'm talking to those of you who've had to come through the back door, that faith didn't work for you, and yet you find yourself in this place or the place we find ourselves. And I think Paul's going to help us with this. So I want us just to launch from these few verses and see where it could take us, because he's writing this letter 
to a group of believers in Galatia, in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. And they have a lot of things happening in there. They have some, some new Greeks who, like Christians who are Greeks, they have some, some Messianic Jews. They also have some Jewish zealots on the outside looking in. And I think that it can maybe work for us if we look at it here for a second. So let's look at verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you, if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. So this church made up of Greeks who were Christians, of Jews who were Christians, Messianic Jews, but also of Jews who were not Messianic, but still had a lot of connection with the Messianic Jews who had connections with the Greeks, all right? So there's this whole thing, triangulation, all right, that's starting to happen here. You see, your, your personal therapy talk is already coming into play here, triangulation. So it's all kind of happening here in this church 2,000 years ago. And Paul is talking to, specifically here though, these Greeks who make up the church. And what's frustrating is these Greeks have actually, like, they've come through the back door. Jews were front door. Jews were those who, they got the message from Sinai thousands of years before, and they were running with it for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years. And they were really sure about how it all worked out until Pentecost happened, until the resurrection happened. And now there's wrestling here. And Paul is talking to these Greeks who got to come in the back door. They didn't, listen, for a Jewish person, it, it was their cultural norms that were also tied to their religious views of God. It was their cultural norms that reinforced their religious views. But then with Christ, his death, resurrection, ascension, and Pentecost, now we're saying, no, those cultural norms can still connect you to God in a sense, but that is not the connection to God. So now that's been separated. So think if you're a Jewish person, how cheated you feel. You're like, wait a second. I've been doing this stuff my whole life. And now you're telling me there was always a backdoor entrance? I didn't have to go through, I didn't maybe have to go through all these things. And, and Paul's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying for people who aren't Jewish, there's like this, this back door, they're coming in. And so Paul is talking, and you can, you can imagine then how frustrated maybe these Jewish people were. They're like, listen, like this isn't fair, this isn't okay. They need to be circumcised. Because circumcision, um, and I don't think I need to explain that to you, but circumcision is a way that you knew you belonged. And it had like this um, metaphor type aspect to it as well. That now you are, you were, um, you're cut off from the world around you and you're brought into Christ, all these, I mean, into God, all these things. I'm getting nervous talking about it. So all that stuff, like that's happening there. And so you can imagine why these Jewish people were just bothered. Like, why is it they get to go in the back door? And Paul's like, well, because like, that's fine. That's what Christ created. Now look on the next couple of verses. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from, Christ, from, from grace. Now, here's what I like about this next part. Paul does not put it on the Jewish 
women and men to stop trying to coerce the Greek women and men to be circumcised. Paul's like, I ain't into codependency. He's like, it's not your job to manage that person's life. You can have your vigor and you can have your passion and you can have your ideas. Even if you're zealous on the outside, no, Paul puts it in the lap of the Greeks. He says, listen, your faith is valid. Now, if you go get circumcised, fine, whatever. But that isn't what makes you closer to Christ. And if you buy into that, all this stuff that you've been building in your walk with Christ is going to be like, it's not nullified, but it's like, it's like of no worth to you then. If all of a sudden you can control this connection with God, which for a Jewish person, that isn't necessarily how their mindset might have been. It's a very gracious mindset within Judaism. But for a person on the outside coming in, having to take up these rituals, Paul's like, listen, like, don't try to take that on. That's on you to not do that. I love that. I love that he says to a backdoor person coming in, it's not your job to take on the front door person's views. Because when you start trying to take on a front door person's views, you, in essence, start losing your own connection with God. You have the Imago Dei in you, the image of God. No matter where you came from, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're coming out of, you have weight, worth, value, and glory in and of who you are. The problem is we don't know how to access that stuff because we try to be our own gods. So therefore, we try to align our Imago Dei back into God in the flesh and now the Christ risen. So we try to take our image into the likeness of Christ and have this beautiful combination explosion. And so Paul is saying to them, don't let your faith be hijacked by that. And then at the last couple of verses here, it says, for through the Spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision have any value. And what he's saying is, for it isn't through another person's practices you gain righteousness. An unashamed connection with God, that is the work of the Spirit. You do not find your connection with God for those of you in this room that are front door. And what I mean is faith has really worked for you. You haven't had to question it too much. There's an assumption that everybody needs to have our same approaches and views to God. And then we try to put that on other people. And for those coming through the back door, what you need to understand is, and by back door, what I mean is this, it's you were married to the church and then you had to get divorced from the church because you got too harmed by the church. And now you're not sure if your faith works. If that's you, that's what I'm talking about, being backdoor. The fact you're even here is a miracle. It's a really big deal. I mean, you can give yourself a pound the back for that one. By the way, there's even a third group in here. The third group are those who were front door Christians, but like didn't leave maybe when a lot of things went down at this church or other churches, but you've silently been deconstructing your faith. And you find that you show up here and you're super lonely. And yet, you still want to be here. But then if you don't talk about it, you just get lost in your deconstruction and never have a chance at reconstructing a beautiful faith. There's different places for all of us here. And that's okay. But if we ever try to take on another person's, like, practices, it's like David trying to take on Saul's armor. If you've been in church long enough, you know that story. David goes to fight Goliath. Saul's like, wear my armor. 
David's like, I can't do that. Because you have a connection with God that he's wanting to reach and be with you. So what am I trying to say? Whether you've showed up through the front door or back door, whether you're a front door person and yet honestly you're kind of more like the back door person, that I don't want to go back to this idea of marriage. You will never be able to really understand what this could be maybe until you realize that like maybe what marriage could be. So let me, let me, just, let me do this for a second. So I'm talking to married people, but I'm not trying to ostracize single people. So with this, you can kind of take the idea of a friendship or someone you're dating, all right? But let me kind of start here just with the married folk just for a second. You few who have been married, let me ask you, are you just as in love with your spouse today as you were when you first got married? It's different, thank you. I appreciate that honesty because here's what I would say. There's a few of you in this room that might say yes. I am just as in love as I was the first day, a year later, five years later. And I would say to you that I'm happy for you. I don't believe you, but I'm happy for you. Okay? I'm happy for you. For others here that uh, do you actually, let me ask you this. For others here, do you remember when you got married and you were thinking, man, I just can't wait to not be so lonely on the weekends. Like, I can't wait to have somebody to kind of ride or die with, right? And to go explore Memphis with and to go, like, take in all these things. Do you remember that? Like, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But then once you got about a year or five in, that moment hits you where you start going, like, did I make a mistake? Like, was this really the best decision for my life? Am I living my best life now? Like, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. And, like... We, and we kind of go, and, and, and so there's your marriage. And, and here's what I want to say. Hear me on this. This isn't about, sort of about marriage, but I want to say this about marriage. If in case you're wondering. Marriage, the point of marriage isn't to make yourself less lonely. That's not the point of marriage. Or to have sex or whatnot. That's not the point of marriage. Here's the point of marriage is. The ultimate point is to help refine and shape and make you into a better human. It's to help refine, shape, and make you into a better human. And that doesn't only work in marriage. It works in any relationship that you're committed to. A friendship, someone you're dating, there's a chance for all those kind of things. It's just that marriage gives you a bounded set that like it's really hard to leave legally, right? So you're like, I guess I better think this through a little longer. Like it's good kind of like barriers to make you keep thinking, all right? Now here's the thing. If though, if though you're willing to be in it, there's lots of things that can happen that are really good. But here's what I would say, and this is where I want to tie it back to church here. We all like the idea of commitment until we have to commit. We love the idea of commitment. It's life-changing for commitment until we have to commit. But it's in the commitment we see the most change. Now, of course, I'm not talking about being in an abusive marriage or relationship. That's, we're not talking about that here, right? So if you're in that, no, that's, that's not going to bring change. It's only going to bring more destruction. But I'm talking to like, if you have an understanding that both these people are trying to make this work, then that's where the change can happen. And we have worked long and hard at this church 
And most of our messages have been centered around like creating a space for those who are coming in the back door to feel like they have a place to belong. And yet, here's what I would say to you. That for those who have come through the back door, until you commit, you'll never see any change. For those who stayed on the fringes, because, well, I was abused here, and this hurt there, and I was harmed there, what I want to say to you is I'm really sorry, and I truly mean that. And I also want to say you will never see the movement in your life you're looking for until you commit to a space. Well, I'm not really sure yet if I like the space or not. Well, then ask more questions. Well, this, but this person here, like, and, and hear, me, hear me on this, hear me on this. Adam Young said it well. If you are harmed in relationships, you can only heal through relationships. Your healing will not come through you kind of being on the fringes thinking about it, and then maybe one day trying it out. Your healing will only come if you walk across the aisle and take a chance. You show up to a volunteer luncheon, and you just go try it out. You go give of your time and meet some people. Maybe you hand out bulletins. Maybe you go love on kiddos. It won't really change for you until you perhaps, like, go join even next Sunday a group like Alpha or a story group or a reading group and get to know people, and let them know your story, that you won't see the movement you're looking for in your life, though, until you're willing to invest in some relationships. And I get it. You've been burned. You've been marginalized. You've been harmed. But aren't you tired of... Aren't, aren't you tired of letting that be the only thing that defines you? Is there more you want? And we're a safe enough space to go, if you go, no, I don't want that now, then I go, okay, that's okay. It's that kind of space. But we're at a place where it's important that all of us can start thinking, what does it move to start moving to the middle? I don't have a visual for it, but you've heard us talk before about a bounded set and a centered set. A bounded set it's like you put up a fence. If you, if you believe these things, then you jump the fence and you're apart. But a centered set is when you kind of put a well in the middle and let people come to and fro from that well. We're not interested in a bounded set here. We're not interested in you having to believe lots and lots of particular things. We have the Apostles' Creed and I see in Creed. We make it a really, really kind of low entry point in that way, although that's really high stuff. What's most important to us is that you have a space to belong and a space to get to know God in your time. But what does it mean for you, for me, for us to take a chance and to try to do that together? Because it's in commitment that you're being known. It's in commitment that you're buying in. It's in your commitment that you'll build relationships. And I believe that it's important for us to start really thinking about that kind of commitment. And here's why. Last year, I like doing this. I just like to think in terms of things being thematic. So last year, if you remember enough, you were here, when we were doing the Vision and Mission series and then going into the Acts series, 
I said that I believe that the next year for Christ City Church will be a year of leveling up, that we will be leveling up. You, we will be leveling up in our maturity, in our faith. We'll be leveling up more in the clarity of who God is asking us to be and where he's wanting us to go. We'll be leveling up even individually, you all in this room, taking more steps for you to recover your life, reimagine your purpose, refresh your world. And I think we've seen a lot of that. I was really excited and happy and satisfied with what we did with the Act series. But here's what I believe this next year is really going to be about for us. Making it work. Making it work. Making it work and working it out in this space. To show up here. To bring your story here of how life hasn't worked for you there and let change happen with others. Making it work. Rolling up our sleeves. Committing so that we don't keep simply sailing in these eternal loops of life never changing. And aren't you tired of that? If that is your life. And so what do I mean by saying roll up our sleeves? Have you ever had that moment, going back to marriage for a minute, or any, any relationship, you ever had that moment in your marriage where you just kind of think to yourself, you're having this fight, you're in this argument, this hard situation, and you just kind of think to yourself, I'm going to have to push through to actually be here. Like, I'm going to have to really push through this moment to be here because all exit signs are lighting up for me. And so in those moments, like, you don't feel like staying, you don't emote that you want to stay, you don't see a lot of payoff in the stay, but what do you do? You figure it out. You stay in it. You let the morning come. And maybe another morning come. And maybe another morning come. You go do the work. And then you find that in that, you start mining out diamonds you never knew were there. You start finding these diamonds in another person sitting across from you, diamonds even in yourself. You go, my goodness, look at all that is there. Friends, welcome to Christ City Church. Welcome to that kind of space where you are invited to come in to belong and to start mining for more beauty in your relationship with God, in your relationship with yourself and those around you that you ever knew existed. But what it takes is it makes us fighting for that space. Fighting, I don't mean like pick a fight. Picking a fight's my job, right? I mean like fighting for the space, fighting to be together, fighting not to leave, but fighting like to keep engaging. And that may sound like a lot, but gosh, am I ready to see some real like transformation. I'm not interested in just doing like church karaoke, right? Like we show up, we get a few songs, everybody joins in on it. We like what somebody has to say. We go home. What a great day. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in your life getting better. I'm interested in you coming back and being like, like Job said, my ears always heard of you and now my eyes have seen you, God.
And to, to go back here, we'll put the pendulum back up here. Like, imagine if you were to commit to this kind of space. Imagine if you were to say, I'm going to, like, buy in. It would cost a lot, but it would also create a lot. And here's what I think it would create. While that's up, you can look in your bulletins. The prophet, um, Rachel Held Evans, who was too soon taken from us earlier this year, um, had a beautiful way to talk about what you get out of that kind of commitment. It says, imagine if every church became a place where everyone is safe, but no one is comfortable. Imagine if every church became a place where we told the truth. We might just create sanctuary. Where everyone is safe, but no one is comfortable. Where you could tell the truth, you might create sanctuary. You know, safe zones, sanctuary isn't about not being challenged. It's about being accepted and then others being with you to want to see more of Christ in your life. It's not about saying like, whatever I want to do, however I want to do it, leave me alone. That's not what a safe zone is about. A safe zone is saying, we have these boundaries together. I don't see you as someone to fix. You don't see me as someone trying to invade your life. But we're going to challenge this thing. And we're going to keep pushing for more. I think if we're willing to do that, friends, and I think we're willing to live those kinds of ways, we have a chance to create a holy space. I think we have a chance to create that God is near us space. I think we have a chance to create sanctuary. Let's pray. Jesus, our desire is to have sanctuary with you. If I know that you're near, I know that I can do it. If I know that you're near, I know I can step into it. And for a message that for all of us, but especially those maybe through the back door where it's like, oh man, see, here came the push. I just pray this, that for all of us, that as we come forward this morning and partake of your body and your blood, that we would experience you, your nearness, your love for us, a touch of holiness, and maybe even sanctuary. Because if you are near, we can do it. And so we pray this, we ask for this. We love you, Lord. Amen.